Hi, my name is Mark Riggins, and I'm pastor here at LifePoint, located in Plano, Texas, and we meet here every Sunday at 1030, and we are here for your family. I hope today's message is an encouragement to you. Paul said, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task that the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace, Acts 20, 24. Would you all stand with me and let's say our memory verse together out loud. Would you say that with me this morning, LifePoint? However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace, Acts 20, 24. Let's pray. God, thank you so much that as we come into your house today for reminding us that you are here among us. And now our prayer is, God, as you speak through your word, that we would hear what you have for us today. And may we be different because of this time here, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. It's good to see you all here today. I want to ask you a few questions. What I want to do is find out what you're afraid of today. I want to discover your fear. And so here's what we're going to do. I'm going to name some things that people are afraid of. And then I want you to raise your hand if that's a thing that you're afraid of. So here's what we need to do to practice. I just want all of us to warm up our rotator cuff and simply raise our hand. Can you raise your hand? Okay, I just want to make sure you can do it. Good job. Thank you, Corey. All right, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to name them. You raise your hand. Raise your hand if you are afraid of snakes. You don't have to cheer. Just raise your hand. <laughs> Obey the instructions. All right. How many of you are afraid of planes? How many of you are afraid of snakes on a plane? <laughs> yeah, come on. All right. Now let's take it up a notch. How many of you are afraid of heights? How many of you are afraid of clowns? How many of you are afraid of another season of The Bachelor? Yeah? All right. How many of you are afraid you're going to get so old that you're going to have to start wearing glasses? No. How many of you are afraid of the next season preceding the 2024 presidential election? Yeah. All right. Let's take it up a notch. How many of you are afraid of being trapped in an elevator? Well, I'm touching a nerve. How many of you are afraid of going down into a dark basement? Yeah. How many of you are afraid of your cell phone battery getting to 10% less of life, huh? Yeah. All right, let's take it up a notch. And here's what I want you to do. I don't want, to, I don't want you to raise your hand. So don't raise your hand. How many of you are afraid that you might not be prepared for the future? How many of you are afraid that you might not matter? How many of you are afraid that you might let someone down? That you might let your family down, you might let yourself down, or you might let God down? We all have different fears. And there are a lot more fears that we could talk about. But there is one fear that all of us have. And the Apostle Paul, whose story we're going to look at today, he has this fear. And we're going to talk about what it is in just a minute. 
Here's the really good news. God speaks up in the midst of his fear and he says a promise and he gives him a purpose that applies to you and I today. So as we rediscover the fear that everyone in this room has, God is gonna reveal some things for us in the middle of our fear that I hope when we're done will be encouraging to you. So if you've got your Bibles, let's look at the fear that we all have. It's in Acts chapter 18. If you don't have a Bible or if you're new with us, just grab a Bible there in the pew. You can find the book of Acts in the table of contents. Go to the chapter 18. We're looking at this man named Paul, and if you're new here and you're not a Christian, if you're new here and you don't yet follow Jesus, but you're just kind of checking this whole thing out first, we are so glad you're here, and this is a place we welcome you to wrestle with your faith. And we, you need to know that the Apostle Paul is someone who himself only recently went from not being a follower of Jesus to becoming a follower of Jesus. And in becoming a follower of Jesus, he has sort of become really passionate. So passionate that he wants everybody to know about the Jesus that he discovered that's changed his life. And so he's beginning to do these trips where he goes around the Mediterranean world telling other people about Jesus. And so we saw his first trip in Acts 13 and 14, and now we're seeing his second trip, which is in Acts 16, 17, and 18. So today we finish up trip number two for this man named Paul. And so I want you to see on this map as he's gone around the Mediterranean world and as he wraps up his trip today, where he's going to go. You remember he started all the way over there where it says Syria and Antioch. He's gone all the way through ancient Asia and all the way up to Macedonia and Philippi where he was in prison. And then last week we left off down south in modern day Greece in Athens. You see where that... And that's where Paul really went up to Mars Hill. Remember, he went to the Areopagus and he's declaring to all these philosophers who this Jesus is, remember? Well, now he is going to go to Corinth. What you see from Athens is just there to the left a little bit. And then he's gonna swing over to Ephesus, go across the Mediterranean Sea, all the way back to Caesarea, Jerusalem, and then back to Antioch where he started. That's where we're gonna go today. Here's what I want you to see on the map though. I want you to focus on Corinth because that's where we're gonna pick up this story. And that's where we're gonna discover that Paul had a massive fear. I think it's the Corinthian moment that Paul has in his life with this fear, a fear that we all share with Paul. Paul is bold, Paul is courageous, and we think of Paul as being one of the legends of our faith, and this fear is gonna paralyze him and almost cause him to quit. And it's a fear we share. All right, with all that said, look with me at Acts chapter 18. And let's pick up Paul's story in verse one. It says, after this, Paul left Athens. We saw that last week that he was there. And he went to Corinth. Now remember, Corinth is a port city. It's an influential city. There were a lot of philosophers there, somewhat like Athens. However, one of the distinctives of Corinth was there was a lot of sexual immorality in Corinth. It might have been ancient Las Vegas, right? In fact, there was this, the uh, temple of Aphrodite was above the city, looking down over the city as if to give approval of all the activity that was happening in Corinth. If you wanted to really diminish someone, you were, if you were from that region and they, their character was sort of in question, you would go up to them and say, you're like a Corinthian, you're a Corinthian. That was the ultimate slang to question someone's character. And that's where Paul finds himself here in the city of Corinth. Now watch. There he meets this couple. He met a Jew named Aquila and a native, he was, who was a native of Pontus who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla. So Aquila and Priscilla are the couple. They're there in Corinth because Claudius had ordered all Jews to leave Rome. 
Paul went to see them, and because he was a tent maker as they were, he stayed and worked with them. And every Sabbath, he reasoned in the, say the next word with me, synagogue. Yeah, remember we saw that last week, trying to persuade Jews and Greeks. Remember, Paul goes not only to the marketplace, but he also, when he shows up in a city, goes right to the synagogue. And we remembered last week that it's possible to have a good relationship with the church and have no relationship with Christ. Paul realized he must go both to those who are, who, who, who are doing religious things and those who are in the marketplace in order to share Jesus with everyone. But he's not alone anymore because watch who comes his way. Look at verse five. When Silas and Timothy came from Macedonia, Paul devoted himself exclusively to preaching, testifying to the Jews that Jesus was the Messiah. Now, where have they been all this time? Remember the whole time he's in Athens? These were his partners on the second trip, Silas and Timothy, but they aren't with him. You remember, because back in Berea, after he left Philippi, he was in prison, he went down to Berea, and all of a sudden there was a lot of abuse, there was a lot of beatings, and he had to sort of slip out into the night, but the whole party didn't want to go to reveal that he was leaving, so Silas and Timothy stayed back. Paul went out ahead, and he went to Athens. Now he's gone to Corinth, which is where we're picking up the story today, and finally Silas and Timothy rejoin him. And you would think, good, his entire party is back together, we can relax a little bit, right? Is it finally going to be easy for Paul no look at verse 6 but when they meaning the people he was preaching to they opposed Paul and became abusive I don't know about you but I just feel so sorry for Paul here like it seems like no matter what he's always experiencing abuse doesn't it Wherever he goes, people are opposing him and rejecting him. Yes, people come to know Christ, but a lot of times he's just kicked out of town. And over and over and over again, we see this. In fact, look at the rest of the verse because somehow, some way, it feels like Paul's starting to get a little worn out. He's starting to get a little frustrated. He's starting to get a little short and his temper's starting to rear up a little bit because look at how he responds. Paul shook out his clothes in protest and he said to them, your blood be on your heads. I am innocent of it. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles, go to the non-Jewish people. He's had it. He's done. He's thinking about quitting. We're going to discover that in the next few verses. And I can't help but think, you think about Paul's journey up until now. You think about this guy who's on his road to Macedonia, he comes to know Christ, real dramatic scene. He goes and he goes to Antioch and he's like, I'm going, I'm going to go on this second missionary journey. Barnabas, Barnabas leaves because of John Mark. Okay, he finds Silas. Okay, let's go. As soon as he goes city after city, remember he was in one city in the previous trip, he had been left for dead as they threw rocks and stoned him and left him out on the edge of the city. And then on this trip, he goes up to to Philippi and they end up beating him with rods and then they imprison him. He's been rejected, opposed, and abused wherever he goes. He now has scars upon scars and he finally gets to Corinth. His team finally shows up and once again they oppose him and they begin to abuse him. And you know what? He's sort of at his breaking point. I am done. He's beginning to wonder, is it worth following God anymore? Is it worth being this bold evangelist on behalf of God anymore? Is it worth doing what God told me to do if this is going to be the cost everywhere I go? I am thinking about quitting, Paul is thinking. And I bet there are some of you who feel that way because it's the most natural way to respond to difficult times. Some of you may be in your marriage and you've been faithful, but you're like, I don't know if it's worth it anymore. I'm tired. I'm thinking about quitting. Maybe it's in your relationship with God. 
Maybe it's in your business dealings at work and you feel like you're seeing other people get ahead with lacking integrity, but you've been the one practicing integrity and you're beginning to wonder, is it worth it? I'm thinking about quitting. I don't know if I want to go this route anymore. It's a harder route. Well, that's exactly where Paul was. Paul decides to hang in there. And just like often is the case, it's darkest right before the dawn. Look at the next verse as Paul hangs in there. It says, and then Paul left the synagogue. I'm done with those people, he said. And he went next door to the house of, and this guy, next guy has two names. And I will tell you, I looked up the proper pronunciation of his name, and because of that, I've decided to call him TJ. All right? All right? Yeah. He's a worshiper of God, that TJ. And Crispus, the synagogue leader in his entire household, believed in the Lord, and many of the Corinthians who heard Paul, look at this, they believed and they were baptized. Think if he would have quit after verse 6, we wouldn't have had verse 7. Isn't this amazing how God seems to work right when we're tired, right when we're about to give up? God has something good on the other side, doesn't he? And I think of so many of you who for 32 years, LifePoint, when it was started, you have faithfully stayed at it. Some of you have been here for weeks. Some of you have been here for decades. But you've faithfully stayed at it. And anytime we feel tired, God seems to do something, doesn't he? It's right when he seems to show up. And I just want to celebrate again what God did here the last three weekends. We have a picture here. The last three weekends we have had 15 people baptized for God's glory can we celebrate that together amen and and we should keep I love how some of you are smiling because you know some of these people and that's personal to you but let's keep celebrating because last Sunday we had three adults cross the line of faith and give their life to Christ amen amen I want to say just like Paul must have thought, yeah, but there is a cost. There is a cost to sharing Christ. And Paul had been faithful to do it, but there was a cost to him. Now, in his case, he had scars upon scars as he went from one town to the next sharing Jesus. And Paul, in the middle of all this, despite seeing the movement of God, he's still tired. He's still worn out. And I believe that's why God had to show up to him in the next passage. And these are some really tender words from God. And I want you to see those. Beginning in verse 9, it says, One night, the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision. Now, when the creator God speaks to you, it's like, okay, I'm going to listen, right? Now, I can tell you, I have never experienced what Paul is experiencing here. I've never had the Lord speak to me in a vision. Some of you may uh, have that experience, and I wouldn't argue with that. I can tell you, for me, God has traditionally spoken mostly through his word, through other Christians, through circumstances, people who are following God, and occasionally through a prompting that is inexplicable. But in this unique case, God is speaking to Paul in a vision. And when God speaks and records it in his word, we really ought to pay attention to what it is he is saying. And here's what I want you to know. He's about to reveal the fear that Paul has. And it's a fear that every one of us have. And then he's going to give a promise and a purpose. And it is so powerful and relevant to us today. 
But first, he began to speak to Paul in a vision. And I want you to say these next four words with me out loud. The first thing God says to Paul is, say it with me, do not be afraid. Now think about that. Of all the things he could have said to Paul, we're talking about bold Paul, courageous Paul, the one who would go anywhere at any time when others would never do it. He's coming to this guy and saying, do not be afraid. Do you think he's saying that to Paul if Paul's not afraid? Now he knows, regardless of how bold Paul may appear, that Paul has some deep-seated fear within him. And God, his creator, goes to him and says, do not be afraid. I think this is really important to realize that God doesn't give us the spirit of fear and God doesn't want us afraid. Now this is really important because sometimes, I believe unfortunately, we allow fear to come into our life and we have a culture of increasing fear and we're allowing things into our life that are causing fear. And God says to Paul, and I believe he would say it to us, do not be afraid. Do not feed your fear. Do not allow things to come into your life that are feeding you fear. I'll go a little step further here, and this isn't in the Bible, but I believe it. And this is, I believe that a lot of us are regularly watching our news and it is feeding us fear. And can I tell you, if your news source, whether it's CNN, Fox, or something else, and it's feeding you fear, let me give you two words of advice. Unplug it. Because that isn't what God wants us to be feeling, that fear. Here's a worry that I have. I'm afraid that more Christians are being discipled by CNN and Fox News than they are God's word. And both are feeding us fear and feeding us anger. And neither are spirit of fruits of the spirit. God wants us to follow him. And I think if he were to show up here today, he'd say would we just stop this he goes are we following what he wants in his word the only hope is Jesus the rest of it is noise that's happening around the world and he's given us a command and he says I want you to share the hope of the world and the hope of the world is Jesus that means I can go click off I don't need that I don't need that coming into my life I need him and I need to share him and this fear is distracting us this anger is distracting us and the first thing he says to Paul is don't do not fear. And you say, well, what was it that Paul was afraid of? I love that he reveals to us exactly what Paul was afraid of. Now, let me just warn you, this is what you're afraid of too. This is what I'm afraid of. Look what he says in the rest of that verse. He says, do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent. In other words, Paul was afraid of sharing Jesus. The very thing he had given his life to do, he was suddenly afraid to do it. And so God had to come to him and say, no, 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 don't be afraid. Keep speaking. Don't be silent. Now, I don't know about you, but I have found in my own life, I have no problem being in here 1030 on Sunday and talking about Jesus. Easiest thing in the world. I have no problem on the way, work, turning on a radio and listening to things about Jesus, whether it's music or a message, listen to the podcast, throw on the AirPods, listen to the music about Jesus. I have no problem with reading the Bible and learning about Jesus. But speaking about Jesus to someone who doesn't follow Jesus, suddenly I feel fear. You feel that way? Don't, don't act tough to me now. now. Come on, you're with me, right? Paul, the boldest apostle perhaps in history, had a fear. He didn't have a fear of following Jesus. He didn't have a fear of obeying Jesus. He had a fear of speaking about Jesus. Have you ever noticed when you're talking to someone and you're like, okay, it's time to talk about Jesus, that you find yourself going, can I just tell you about, 
Jesus, right? Like there's this hesitation, you feel that? That Paul felt the exact same way. And I don't know about you, but I'm comforted by the fact that Paul felt that way too. You notice that you, none of you would say, I'm not going to tell my neighbor about Jesus because they're really not worth it. None of us will say, I'm not going to tell my family about Jesus because I don't really care about them anyway. Right? None of us think that. We have a fear of speaking about Jesus. And what I love about this is God is just making us own it here. Now the question is, what is your fear? Is your fear about how other people will respond? Is your fear about maybe a question that they'll ask that you might not be prepared to answer? Is your fear about what they'll think about you or your relationship? Like, what is that fear? Just own it. And then I believe this is our opportunity to come before God and say, God, here's my fear. I need to surrender this to you because it's keeping me from speaking up. It's causing me to be silent. Now, here's the promise, and this is the part I can't wait to get to. There is a promise for me and you and was given to Paul for those of us who will speak up and share this Jesus with others. This is our great fear, let's be real. But God has a promise for all of us who cross the line and speak up for Jesus. Look what it says, beginning of verse 10. God says to Paul and to us, for I am with you. Isn't that a great promise? Did you know there is no way that you can share God on your own? You will never share Jesus with others on your own. It just is impossible to do. You think, well, it's just me and this other person, but God is always there. And this is the first time that God has made this promise of his presence to us. You remember Jesus at the end of his life in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 through 20, it's Jesus who said, I want you to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I want you to teach them all that I have commanded you. And then he said, and when you do that, I am with you always. When you speak up and share Jesus, I am with you always, all the way to the end of the age. And as, as uh, Acts 1.8 says, to the ends of the earth. He is promising us his presence. We aren't doing this alone. We aren't doing this in our power. That means my job is not to convince. I'm not like an attorney trying to talk someone into something. My job is just to share. And then it's between them and the God who is present in the conversation to take it from there. My job is to speak up and to resist the fear of being silent. So there's the promise that God is with us. Now here's the warning, here's the reality. I love this next part of it. And no one is going to attack and harm you. Now, Paul is going, God, could you say that again? Because I, I got scars on scars. He said, no one's gonna attack me. And then, and then in a few verses, there's gonna be a group of people that get together to attack him and God will miraculously spare him. But there'll be future pain that comes God's way or comes Paul's way. But eternally speaking, Paul is safe in the hands of God doing exactly what he was designed to do. But God is very clear. In fact, Jesus even said it, take heart, you will have trouble. God is very clear that there will be pain, there will be difficult days, there will be challenges. But it's worth it. I see one of the things that I love about this story is we see over and over again is that it's Paul who feels rejected. It's Paul who feels opposed. It's Paul who's wondering whether or not this is worth it. It's Paul who's thinking it's been too hard and the cost is just too high. And maybe you're there and you think, you know what, I've followed God. I used to be more, you know, faithful in my life with God, but now I'm at the place where I no longer think it's worth it. I'm not sure if, it, if, if the cost is just too high and you feel tired. 
And, and maybe if you're here today and you would say, you know what, I can't explain it, but there's something about me that I just feel kind of tired. I, I can't explain it, but I feel kind of exhausted. I, I can't explain it, but I just feel kind of worn out. You know, it might be because you are. Some of you who are here, you might say, you know, I feel like following God is a battle. I feel like being faithful to God is a battle. I feel like sharing Jesus is a battle. You know, it might be because it is. I love this quote by pastor and author John Mark Comer. Look what it says. It says, our generation has a low-level comfort with military metaphors and faith. We prefer to think of following Jesus as a journey or a lifestyle rather than a war. But our spiritual ancestors didn't share our reticence with that war imagery. They were far more adroit at naming the quality of spiritual conflict than we are today. And when you look throughout the scriptures, you see the metaphor of we are at spiritual war. There is a battlefield and we are to put on the armor of God. But if you decide to share Jesus and you decide to go Jesus and talk with someone, just know you are going to the front lines of that battlefield. And the question is, why in the world would you choose to do that? You could just be comfortable and never go into that battle. It would be easier, wouldn't it, if we just said, I think I'm good. I'll see what's on TV. I'll see what I'm going to stream and and I'll just kind of coast. And then God, in talking to Paul, is about to give the why. Because Paul had to have been thinking the exact same thing. You know what, I think I'm just going to head back. I'm going to skip the rest of the cities, and I'm just going to go straight back to Antioch. It'd be easier. And God says, look, Paul, don't be afraid. Don't be silent. I'm going to be with you. And then he says this next word. He says, because, in other words, I'm going to give you the why behind what I'm telling you to do. I'm going to give you the reason why you must stick forward, even though it's uncomfortable, even though you don't uh, find it easy. Let me give you the because. And look at these next seven words, because they're our because as well. These are the reasons why God is calling us and we are to be obedient to him. Look at this next seven words. Would you say them with me? They begin with the word I. Say it out loud with me. I have many people in this city. Why do we keep moving forward? Because God has many people in this city. God has people that he wants to become a believer and follower of Jesus in this city. We don't know their names. We may or may not have a relation with them currently, but God knows who they are. He's seen who they are and he knows what he wants us to do. And he has said, I have them in this city. That is the why, Paul. And Paul would go, okay, well then I'll stay here. And he did. And then all of a sudden God moved him to Ephesus to a new city, a neighboring city. And God said, all right, I want you to go for it here. tired God I know but you got to stay in the game because I have many people in this city God continues to remind us why it is we keep moving forward because God has many people in this city in this county in this region I love if you were to take all of Acts chapter 18 verse 10 that we just read it really reveals the three elements when God gives us an assignment he gives us three realities Number one, his presence. He promises his presence when he asks us to do something. Number two, there will be difficult days. Then number three, the purpose is so worth it. It's worth it. Despite the difficulties, he's going to walk with us. And in the end, people will come to know 
Jesus. Now, I want to just take a quick time out here as we kind of wrap up here. In fact, I'm going to just make this kind of like a little fireside chat. In fact, uh, if you're new here, this is your first Sunday, man, I'm glad you're here. You get to kind of peek behind the curtain today. I really want to talk specifically to those of you who regularly attend and call LifePoint Church your home. Those of you who are watching online as well, uh, if you would uh, put down the bowl of cereal with us and just kind of watch now and pay attention, right? Uh, But I really do want to talk to those of you who regularly attend here because you remember just a few months ago we talked about the second campus that God was leading us to establish. The idea that we would have a campus here in Plano and we would add an additional campus in a city up north. And I want you to know that as a board we continue every month to meet And we're prayerfully making decisions that we believe are wise decisions and everything is steadily moving forward. But what I want you to know is there are still some unanswered questions that are on the horizon. For example, where and when? Questions that I want to know the answer to and I bet you do too. And as soon as we know, we're going to pass those along. But here's what I do know. The board, the pastors, we know this. As a church, we know this. We know why. Because God is saying, I have many people in this city. Okay, God, which city is it? I'll tell you. But I have many people in this city. And I have people who you don't yet know that I want to bring into a relationship with my son Jesus. And what I'm telling you is, don't be afraid. Don't be silent. I'll be with you. It may be difficult, but it'll be worth it in the end. Now, here's what's fascinating. 2,000 years ago, when Paul was going around to all these cities... He was going in a very strategic way to be the most effective he could for the gospel. You notice what he's doing? He's going to all the major cities, isn't he? He's going to Athens and Corinth. He'll go to Ephesus. He goes to all these cities that are heavily populated. It was almost an urban gospel in the first century as Paul was being very strategic as to where he would spend his time. In the 21st century, there's an equally effective way that we've seen over and over in the church. And that is we realize that we are most effective because people seem to re-enter their faith or re-enter their relationship with the church when they have children. In fact, in 2020, we saw a new Barna report that just came out that says that the majority of people when they visit a church are singularly looking at the children's ministry because now they have children and they're wanting them to have their values. Now, what that means is that is the ripe mission field in the 21st century. Just like for Paul, it was just urban areas. And now it's where are the young families as people reconsider the gospel. And what we know is north of us is ripe with young families. In almost a historic way, we have a new mission field developing right here in our backyard. And that's one of the reasons God, I believe, is opening the door, opening the opportunity. But what's fascinating is 32 years ago, when Pastor George and a handful of you were here, you came to Plano and experienced the exact same thing, didn't you? As you began to see these young families gathering here, many of you came because you had young children and you were re-entering your faith as well. And God used this church and this ministry to grow your faith and you grew your kids here. And now, you, at that time, you were the Saul You were receiving the Lord. You were receiving Jesus. Your family was growing in their faith. But at some point, you become the Paul and you begin to share Jesus with others. And here's what I believe for some of us, God is inviting us to transition from being a Saul to a Paul, to being just not only a receiver of Jesus, but a sharer of Jesus. 
so that we can share Jesus right here in Plano and in a neighboring community as soon as God gives us the green light and he certainly is moving us in that direction. Now, here's what I also know. Let's be real honest. Some of you are here and you would say, I am chomping at the bit. Can we just do this deal? And we say, well, we want to be wise. And I feel you. I know what that feels like. And I appreciate that. And some of you are like, no, slow the whole thing down. I'm just nervous about that. I feel the anxiety and just the change and, and all that that might include. I feel that too. You say, well, Mark, which is it for you? And I would tell you what depends on which day you ask me. But it's like Paul, isn't it? Paul was courageous enough to take these steps of faith, but it didn't mean he wasn't scared. Fear, the courage isn't the absence of fear, is it? It's moving on forward because I have more faith in my God who's leading us than I do in the fear that I feel along the way. And so I get it if you feel like that, but I am so encouraged. You know why? Because I look around like you do and I look at our culture and I see it increasingly fearful. I look around at our culture and I see it increasingly divided, increasingly angry, increasingly filled with anxiety. But we don't need a new solution. We just need to keep pointing people to Jesus because he is the only hope and the only solution in this world. And we can get distracted with the new argument, but he is still the same solution. He is the one who answers. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he is the sole source. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He's our only hope. He's the hope for me. He's the hope for my family. He's the hope for you and your family and the neighbors around us. But there are a group of people who are going to be reconsidering faith over the next 20 to 30 years north of us. It is a ripe mission field, and it is a new opportunity for us to step in and say, I know you hear the noise around you, but let us tell you, Jesus. He's the one. He's the way, the truth, and life. He's the only one who will make sense in the chaos of this world. And we want to give the Messiah, the Savior, the same Messiah that, G- that Paul was pointing toward, we want to point toward. And I just want to say to you, don't lose hope. Don't quit. Even if you feel fatigued, even if you feel tired as we're in this eternal spiritual war, just know there is an opportunity. You say, why would I stay in the game? Just because what God said. God said, I have many people in this city. And I believe God looks at us and he says, Life Point, don't be silent. Why? Because I have many people in this city, this city right here of Plano. That's why we want to continue serving here. I think God also says, Life Point, don't be silent. Because I have many people in a neighboring city that I'm about to reveal to you. And I want you to go after them with the gospel as well. I want to tell you, look, at the end of the day, Christians sharing Christ is the only plan A to save the world. There is no plan B. That's why I love what Pastor George said. You remember when he said, he said, look, at the end of the day, if there is one person in Collin County who doesn't know Jesus, guess what? We're going after them because we know this is the hope of the world. And as we stand here today, I just want to tell you, I want to encourage you. I, I love your heart. I love your faithfulness. And I love even the, hey, let's get going. Let's go. And we want to make wise decisions. But at the end of the day, we get to take this journey together. And here's why. Because there are a lot of things that we could do that are more profitable. There are a lot of things that we could do that are more popular. But there is nothing we could ever do that is more eternally significant than introducing people to Jesus and building the church of Jesus Christ. Amen? This, I believe, is the opportunity before us. And I want to ask you, while we're discerning the Lord's will for the next step, and I promise you we're going to keep giving you updates as soon as we have them,
I want to invite you to begin to do two things now. Number one, I want to encourage you to invite people because there's something about the must, spiritual muscle of sharing Jesus. Inviting people to this place where we can share Jesus. Would you make it a regular prayer if you aren't already? God, help me see people that you would want me to share Jesus with, that you would want me to invite to Life Point. And then at the end of the week, hold yourself accountable. Did I ever take the step? Second thing I would invite you to do is to pray. Look, at the end of the day, no matter how smart we are or how much we mess this thing up, there is no way we can make an eternal difference apart from the Holy Spirit of God. He is who we are relying on completely. So I'm gonna invite you to join us in this prayer that Isaac mentioned earlier. Starting this Wednesday, seven consecutive weeks, we're gonna be praying together as we end this series to the ends of the earth. And there's a group of, uh, of you who've been praying on Tuesday nights. We wanna say thank you, thank you, thank you for getting us here and continuing to hold us up. And now we wanna invite more people who will pray with us on Wednesdays, 1230 to one. There are the details. If you can join us, join us. If you can't, just set your alarm and pray with us wherever you are at work or wherever you might be starting this Wednesday. All right, let me wrap this up. Paul ends up going the rest of the way. He goes all the way to Antioch and trip number three, or trip number two is done. And we're about to start trip number three. Paul's just relentless. But I wanna close with these two questions. Number one, are you sharing Jesus with others? Because sharing Jesus with others is not it's not a decision to be made. It's a command to obey, right? We often call it the great commission. It's not the great suggestion, right? But I don't know about you, but I feel fear in saying, Jesus. So who are you sharing Jesus with? Who are you praying for? Sometimes I think we sort of get into this plateau in our spiritual life because we're not taking the great adventure of sharing Jesus with other people. Number two. This week as we pray, we see all the way throughout the book of Acts, prayer is the highlight of the church. 32 different times the book of Acts talks about the prayer. Would you join us for the next seven weeks? And would you pray with us and discern with us what God is up to and ask him to lead us clearly? Ask him to move as only he can so that we can see more people come to know Jesus so that we can discover who it is that he has in this city. We're on a mission and we want to be relentless about it. We want to be wise about it. But more than that, I want to see God just let us do it together as a church family. So would you join us this Wednesday as we pray? All right, let's all stand together. I want to mention a couple of things, and then we're going to say our memory verse together. First, after the service, I'd love for you to join us with the meet and greet right out of the service. Uh, uh, my wife, Ginger, and I, and some of the pastors are going to be over in the connection. Just kind of go out that door across the way. You'll see us in there. We'd love to meet you for 10 minutes. Also, if you would just like somebody to pray with you right after the service today, we always have someone right back here in the area behind the sound booth. We have folks that are back there that would love to pray with you after every service. As soon as we sing the last song, you're invited to go there. All right, last verse, our memory verse let's say it together say it out loud with me church however I consider my life worth nothing to me my only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me the task of sharing Acts 20 24 great job let's pray God thank you so much that though you give us a great commission you also promise your presence Lord, you're so honest with us to realize, to remind us that there will be challenges, but it's so worth it in the end.
May our eyes never be anywhere but on you. And may they be on you like never before. May you bless this church, your church, LifePoint Church. And may we introduce more people to Jesus. And God, as we follow your will, as we follow your spirit, in the end, God, we want you and you alone to get the glory. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I hope today's message was an encouragement to you. And if you'd like a little more information about our church, just visit us on our website at lifepointplano.org.